All right, so let's go to James chapter 4 in verse 17. James 4, 17. James is a tough book. You know what I mean by tough? He doesn't pull any punches. Another really tough book in the New Testament, one chapter, the book of Jude. Powerful. So let's look here at James 4, verse 17. <clears throat> well, I guess, you know, I've taught you as a church over the years that anytime we see a therefore, we need to back up and find out what it's there for. <laughs> in other words, he's tying something with what he just said. So let's do that. Let's, let's do it, Pastor John. <laughs> Better obey my own teaching, right? Back up to verse 13. And we'll try not to comment too much on this part, but it'll show you the context. James says, Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city. Continue there a year, buy and sell, and get gain. He's saying, don't, don't say that. Whereas you don't know what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor, our life here on earth. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will will live or make a living and do this or do that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. And I will say this one thing about these few verses. Sunday mornings, we've been talking about, when I've been preaching, the last two Sundays somebody else has been, we've been talking about understanding what the will of the Lord is. And we've been talking a lot about being more selective, therefore being more effective. You can do the general will of God, or you can do the specific will of God. God's not going to make anybody do anything, but if we're smart, we'll be more selective about the will of God for our life, and then we'll be more effective in our life because doing His will is already blessed. You don't even, you don't even have to ask God to bless what you're doing when you're doing what He told you to do. A lot of people say, oh, God, bless my plans. And He'll bless them as far as He can, but they're not, if they're not His plans, you'll never get the full blessing. So we encourage people, don't just wake up one morning and decide what you want to do. Pray and discover what God has for your life, and it'll be everything you wanted and more. And this scripture is saying, don't just move because you want to, or because of money, or because of opportunity, or because of need, or because of weather, or because of palm trees, or because of whatever. Move if the Lord leads you to move. Because we don't know what's on the morrow. See, it's smart to get advice from someone who knows more than you know. Uh -huh. And the thing about the Lord is He knows the future and He knows the hearts of all men. Oh man, we're going to get hooked up with these people and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Well, everything may look great right now, but you don't know the future and people can change. Mm How -hmm. I many know before you get married, it's a really good idea to pray and see what the Lord says about going any further with this person. Yeah, but I love them, and they're so pretty. Oh, and he's such a hunk, or whatever. It's like, they're so strong, and they're so great. Yeah, but did you ask the Lord who knows what kind of heart they're going to have a year from now? We've seen, I've seen as a pastor. I've been a pastor longer than I've been alive. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I've been a pastor a long time, and we've seen, we've seen people get married for outward reasons more than spiritual reasons, and they're in a mess. A lot of them didn't even make it. Tried to counsel them, but you can't make people do stuff. 
Prince Charming today could be Frankenstein three months from now. And Prince Charming can actually be deceptive by acting like they're everything you want until they get you. And then when they get you, what they really want surfaces, and now they really don't want to go to church like they did when you were courting. They really don't want to pray like they did when you were dating. Well, how many know the Lord knows if they're fooling or if they're sincere? And so he's saying here, just talk to the Lord about it before you make decisions like that because he knows more than you know. Verse 17, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. This is a very interesting scripture here. Him that knows to do good. You know, I know, we know, we have light. We're not in the dark about this. We know this is something the Lord wants us to do. To not do that is sin. See, most people, I think, recognize sin as doing something bad. This is talking about not doing something good. Sins of commission is when you do things you know you shouldn't do. Sins of omission is when we don't do something we know we're supposed to do. We are omitting something from our life. We're saying no to something God wants us to do. We're, say, we're, we're, we're stiff-arming the Holy Spirit when He's leading us to do something. That's called a sin of omission. And to not do the good we know to do is a sin of omission to us. So what, how, how would repentance work in that area? Lord, forgive me for not doing something I know I should have done. Okay, so this is where we started out like seven weeks ago, all right? And so one of the first things I believe the Lord laid on our heart in this area is that there is some sins of omission in people's lives. They're not doing some good things they know they're supposed to do, and it's leading to a, a life way below where God wants them to live. They've got unnecessary adversity in their life. They've got problems. They're not strong enough to overcome temptation because they're not doing something the Lord told them to do. In other words, when the challenges of life come, they're weak because they're not doing some of the good things the Lord told them to do so they'd be strong. Are you following? See, to omit the good things is actually to put you in a position to not be ready for the challenges that come against you. Hmm? Let me tell you three things, three major things. Well, actually, there's four, but three, three major things that some people are omitting, and it's the reason they're failing when storms come. It's the reason they're not overcoming when temptation comes. Number one, a lot of people are not taken serious. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. They're seeking, but not first. You know, oh, if I have time, Pastor, I'll read my Bible and pray and go to church. Oh, if it's convenient, I'll, I'll, I'll do these things. That's called, I mean, you may be seeking God, but you're not seeking first. And you can't expect seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness blessings if you're not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Does that make sense? And, and you can't get through prayer what only seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness will give you. You know what I mean by prayer? 
Just asking God for this blessing, and he's dealing with you about living differently. So a lot of people are not seeking first the kingdom. I know personally the Lord revealed this to me because I love the scriptures that talk about meditating in the word day and night. You know, if you meditate in my word day and night, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither. That's talking about the outward part of your life will be all right. And whatever you do will prosper. When, when? if you meditate in the word day, and here's what the Lord revealed to me one time and night. And he didn't say how long. I mean, even 10 minutes is meditating at night, right? right. I mean, what if, what if we woke up meditating on the Word of God, you know, however long till you leave the house? And what if before we went to bed, we meditated on the Word of God for a while? Well, I was, I was doing the day part for a long time, and I wasn't seeing the tree planted by the rivers of water results, you know? I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, well, you're just meditating in the word day. You don't qualify. He said, I'm not trying to stress you out, son, but even 10 minutes is, if you know if you spend 10 minutes in the word at night, you can claim that scripture. Right. He that meditates in the word day and night will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Right? There's a lot of trying going on in the body of Christ, trying to get blessed, trying to prosper, trying to get healed because they're not planted properly. Ain't no tree going, mm, I'm going to bear fruit. It just bears fruit because it's in the right place. Right. Too much trying because there's not enough meditating. Meditation in the Word takes the try out of life. Yeah. Things just start to happen. It's called abiding in the vine. It's called abiding in the Lord. So that's one of the things. Number two, sin of omission. And there's a lot of people that are refusing to walk in love toward God and other people. To not love when you know you should love is a sin of omission. And number three, and this is what we want to finish talking about tonight, is a lot of people are not taking Ephesians 5.18 seriously. Anybody interested in what Ephesians 5.18 says? Let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Paul says... Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. See, a lot of people are trying to get their refreshing and their satisfaction from the world. It's called a Holy Ghost substitute, a Holy Ghost replacement. The Phillips translation, which is a really cool translation, the J.B. Phillips translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit of God stimulate your souls. See, we're different than the world. We turn to different places and different things than the world turns. Are you following me? And so he's telling you right here, basically he's saying, you don't need this world's intoxication. You have all you need in your salvation, right? And in your relationship with God and living a Spirit-filled life. I don't, you know, I, I haven't drank alcohol for 40 years. And I've never tried not to. I've never like, oh, I wish I could. I got something better 40 years ago. You talk about tipsy. You talk about feeling good. We're way beyond just a rush in your bloodstream. Health. Peace the world can't give or take away. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. All this comes from the Lord. 
And I, I personally haven't ever even wanted it. Haven't ever desired it. And that's different than resisting temptation all your life. When I got saved, my wants changed drastically. I didn't want to smoke pot anymore. I didn't want to go to nightclubs anymore. I didn't want to drink alcohol anymore. I didn't want to hang around certain people anymore. What was it? I think it was Dwight L. Moody again, or somebody from that era. The gal said to him in one of the meetings, she says, well, you know, I'm, I know you're probably going to have an altar call tonight, and I'm a little concerned about responding. You know, I'm not saved, I'm not born again or anything, but, but I'm a little concerned because um, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that if, I, if I get saved, I can't dance anymore in the honky-tonks, the, the clubs back then. I'm afraid I, I can't do And the preacher said, you know what, honey? You give your heart to Jesus and you do all the dancing you want. Because he knew if she truly gets born again, her wants are going to change in some of these areas that have no meaning, nothing connected with eternity. She wouldn't even want to dance in nightclubs anymore if she truly got born again. And she did. She got saved. She came back to him and said, you know what, sir? I got saved and I'm doing all the dancing I want to do. Trouble is I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> talking about worldly dancing in worldly places. So, so turn to Ephesians. You're there in Ephesians 5.18. So let's, let's think about this for a second. So, who's he talking to? People that are born again. So, being born again doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. We got that down, right? He's writing to the faithful in Christ Jesus, those in the church at Ephesus. He's writing to all believers, born-again, heaven-bound believers, and he tells every one of them, be filled with the Spirit. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to go there, but Acts chapter 19 says that when Paul went to Ephesus, he found certain disciples, he laid hands on them, and these people in Ephesus got filled with the Holy Spirit. So not only were they born again, they were born again, and they had an experience of being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 19. So he's writing to born again people who were Spirit-filled in Acts chapter 19. What does that show us? It shows us it's not once filled, always filled. Can we get an amen on that one? It's not once filled, always filled. Well, let me ask you this. Is it one glass of water and you're always filled with water from now on? Is it one good meal and you're always filled with food from now on? Energy for the day? No, spiritually speaking, it's the same way. We use up spiritual energy just like we use up physical energy. And you need, actually, the original Greek, could you please put the scripture back on the screen? Actually, in the original Greek, this scripture reads... Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Here's what the original Greek reads. But be being filled with the Spirit. It's a play on words in the original. Be being filled. What does that mean? It's a continuous, ongoing, everyday thing. And you don't have to do this to go to heaven. But that doesn't mean it's not highly vital and super important. Hmm? Now, the devil couldn't stop us from getting born again. So his next mode of operandi, M-O, is to stop us from being filled with the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. 
Don't you think that the enemy's just going to leave you alone in this area? Now, he's not going to do anything you can't overcome, but don't think there's not going to be any opposition. Number one opposition is this, satisfied without it. <laughs> I know we think of warfare with guns and bazookas and bombs and Chinese darts and swords, and we think of warfare. You know, one of the most vicious warfares toward a believer is allowing satisfaction in your life without something the Lord wants you to have in your life. Many believers have problems in their life because they have room for those problems. What if you're living a spirit-filled life? You have no vacancy, right? This is a huge, big problem in the church today, being satisfied without what Jesus said we should have every day of our life. Did you know Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit to fulfill the will of God? The early church needed to be filled with the Spirit to fulfill the will of God. They could have been nice Christians. They could have been Christians and done their own thing. And, you know, life would have been okay, I guess. But Paul needed to be filled with the Spirit before he launched out. Jesus, the early church. Let me tell you where frustration comes in. Frustration comes in when preachers keep preaching to the congregation things Spirit-filled people have the power to do, but they ain't Spirit-filled. Frustration. I've seen it in my own life. I'm trying to preach these things that are written to spirit-filled believers, and I know a lot of them aren't even spirit-filled, so they're going to be frustrated if I keep preaching those things. You can't even fully do what the Lord wants you to do without what He told you to receive. You know, the more I read, the more I study the Scriptures, God never intended the church just be saved. I mean, thankful for salvation. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. God gave us Jesus. Jesus saved our lives, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ever lives to make intercession for us. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's the King of glory. But God gave us another person. And He's not any less important. He gave us the Holy Spirit to fill us. And you know as well as I do, the devil does not want us filled with God and radiating the power and love of God everywhere we go. If he couldn't keep you from getting saved, he's going to try to shut you up and keep you in this nice little Christian zone till you die and get out of his way. But I say, let's don't. Let's, let's, let's rise up. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's let the power of God come out of our lives every day. And it's not hard to live a Spirit-filled life. You're just going to have to do a few things on a daily basis that maybe you haven't been doing before. Stay in the Word. Hear a good... You know, we know you don't... Especially today, you don't have to wait for church to hear a powerful anointed message that feeds your spirit and fills you up on the inside. We've got all of our messages archived on the internet. Keith Moore does, Kenneth Copeland, Hagen. All the teachings you could ever want are available to you today through the internet. There is no excuse today for not being, living a spirit-filled life. We can't get to heaven and go, oh, Lord, I didn't have the money. Ours are free. Right. Brother Moore's are free. Other people's are free. Free downloads, right? How many know no charge means no excuse for not knowing it? Right? right? Saved your life. Did you ever hear a sermon that just filled you up on the inside? I'm hearing one right now. <laughs> I'm getting filled myself. Did you ever hear a sermon that just did something on your insides and you say, I've listened to that one over and over again. I've listened to some teaching. I remember listening to a John Osteen teaching about 15 times when I was going through one of the greatest trials of my life. 
I didn't even know a lot about meditating in the Word. I just knew I need to hear that again. It was a cassette tape. I need to hear it again, and I need to hear it again. And I'd be weeping and crying and getting totally set free like the greatest evangelist in the world just prayed for me and set me free. But that's happening through the Word. There's certain sermons that will feed you and fill you. And, you know, I want all of our helps team from now on, and we'll, we'll get this down to the rank somehow, I want us coming to every service before we serve already filled. Already been worshiping God at home with some good praise music while we're getting ready for the, day, for the morning service. You know, maybe hearing a, a part of a sermon, getting filled with... So when we come to church, we're so filled with the Spirit, newcomers sense the anointing of God in our church the moment they set foot on our premises. And that's something you cannot get in any other secular establishment in this world. You may get the lights, you may get the awesome sound systems, you may get the amazing music, you may get this, you may get that, but the presence of God is something none of those places will ever have and people will never sense, but in the church. How many think when people come to church, they should sense a lot more than what they're getting in the world? Something that only God, the presence of God. And so we're, we're believing God for that to somehow get to all the ranks and the helps team. That when we come to church, you know, if you're going to come to church on a Sunday morning filled with the Spirit, you're probably going to have to monitor your Saturday night. But, oh, it'll be worth it, guys. I'm telling you, the greatest thing going on in this town is what's going on in this church and any other church just following the will of God. Movies are fine, sports are fine, golfing's fine, but there's nothing in this town going on like what's going on here. And I believe in these end times, people are waking up to that fact, and they're going to want church more than they're going to want even family time. And they're going to realize family time, best family time, is when the family goes to church. Well, we can't go to church tonight because it's family night. Newsflash. One of the best family nights you could have is all of you coming together, worshiping God with those of like precious faith, experiencing the anointing, getting lost in praise. <laughs> we did that all of our life with our kids. We, they grew, I mean, the greatest times we've ever had as families was church and then second was Disneyland. <laughs> Way second, okay. We... we you know what Jesus said when his family came to him one day and said, we want to talk to Jesus. Tell Jesus we want to talk to him. The disciples came and said, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are wanting to talk to you. And Jesus said, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? But they that do the will of God. There's a family tie stronger than blood. Family. And it's called the family of God. Even Jesus acknowledged that. Okay, let me read a few things here. Can I do that for you? Um, I wanted to say this again about, um, well, actually, turn to Acts 6. And let me read a couple things about the two scriptures we just read. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So when Jesus and Paul said, be filled with the Spirit, how many of you know that's not a suggestion? And it's not written to preachers. It's written to believers, which is, includes preachers, but it's not limited to preachers. Well, I know pastor needs to be filled with the Spirit because he's got to preach. 
you need to be filled with the Spirit because you're going to be around people that need powerful ministry at times and a pat on the back is not going to do any good. You're going to have to have a word of knowledge functioning through you or a word of wisdom or a prophecy. And how many know all prophecy doesn't have to be thus saith the Lord? You can prophesy to your co-laborers on the job and then not even know you're prophesying. It's called speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and saying things that breaks chains in their life. How about a business deal? How about if you're in a business room or a boardroom and all of a sudden you're filled, you know, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden the wisdom of God comes out of you and bang, everybody knows that was just, that was different right there. I, we're going to make it. This is going to be amazing. Right. See, living a spirit-filled life doesn't mean you go to church 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean you pray 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean you have to preach behind it. It means wherever you go, you are filled with the Spirit because of what you did before you left the house, driving in the car. Hearing the Word, praying in the Spirit, worshiping God, going to church, maintaining this kind of a lifestyle will help you to live a Spirit-filled life. And let me read you something that I, I got just before service tonight that I thought was really interesting. I'm just going to read it to you like I got it when I wrote it down. Um, Last week, we talked about opposition to living a spirit-filled life, and we talked about Samson. We talked about how the devil knew he, he had to get Samson involved with some stuff so the power of God would quit working through his life, so the Spirit of God would quit coming on him powerfully, so he would quit helping Israel and defeating the Philistines. The devil saw this guy. He saw the Spirit of God move him as a young child, so he knew, i, I got to put some things in this guy's way, so... Somehow he studied his weaknesses and started throwing all these women his way, and, and, and he just had a problem with women. Um, but he he's a perfect example of how we have to watch ourselves and realize that how we live can affect the power of God on our life for other people. Hmm? And so we talked about opposition to being filled. And so let me just share this with you. The devil will leave you alone for a few days if there's a purpose in it. Think, think about this. The devil will leave you alone for a few days to make you think you're doing all right without being filled with the Spirit. Well, I didn't, you know, I'm not, you know, praying every day and going to church once a week and... I'm not doing those things and everything's fine. That could be the enemy trying to convince you that you really don't need to do what pastor's been preaching. And then when you're weak enough, he will hit you. I know it's interesting to think the devil might leave you alone, but if he sees a greater destruction by leaving you alone for a while, making you think, I'll tell you one thing. We, we've been praying a lot, a lot in our prayer meetings in, in the past, especially. We had started praying for people who aren't saved that they would get a revelation that they are not okay. Do you ever think about it? If somebody's satisfied without receiving Jesus, do you realize that satisfaction could take them to hell? Interesting to think that satisfaction could be a vicious opposition of the enemy. Well, I think sometimes the devil will leave people alone to get them to think, I don't need to do all that about living a spirit-filled life because, look, life's great. 
And that's just because the enemy's backed off on some pressure to try to get you to think it's not that important, you really don't need it. And then he's planning a crisis. He's planning an evil day against you. And then you'll realize, uh-oh, maybe I really did need to live a spirit-filled life because I am not ready for what just came against me. Right. Let me read this to you. The devil will leave you alone all your life in some areas just so you'll never see the great things that living a spirit-filled life would have produced in your life. In other words, I think the enemy at times will even settle for, you know, let, let's don't even take him out. Let's just keep him in his own. Well, they never see those great things that spirit-filled people see. And then they die and go to heaven with very little influence in the meantime. Does anybody understand that? Okay. So let me back up just a little bit and recap. First scripture we went to, he that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him it's sin. Well, being filled with the Spirit is a good thing we're told to do. Right? So what if we omit that? Well, to us it's sin. And it's not like the Lord's going, okay, you sin, you don't, get, you, only, you don't get a star. It's not like that at all. It's like he wants us ready. He wants us strong. I, I found this out that sins of omission lead to sins of commission. Because when you're tempted to do something wrong, the reason people fall for it, because they're weak. Their desires for God aren't strong enough. Desires of the flesh are overwhelming them. But if they were living a spirit-filled life, they would want to do the will of God. They would have ability to overcome. And so not being filled with the Spirit will keep you weak and will keep you not winning when the pressure comes. We went to the scripture in Proverbs where it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. But small strength can be fixed. And one of the ways small strength is fixed is if you're maintaining a spirit-filled life through praying in tongues, worshiping the Lord, hanging out with God's people on a regular basis, reading your Bible, hearing good word. The evil day is not the big problem. Not being ready for the evil day is the big problem. Evil day comes to everybody. Why do some win and some lose? Some are ready and some aren't. It's not that some are bad and some are maybe good. It's that some are ready and some aren't. Do you know one of the reasons Jesus overcame every temptation the devil threw at him is because he was filled with the Holy Ghost when those temptations came. I used to think it was all about him saying it is written. It is written. And that, that is, that's half of it. Praise God. But how many of you said it is written and still fallen for it, right? So it said Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then he said it is written, it is written, it is written. He overcame everything the devil threw at him, but I thought, I missed something. It's it is written, plus living a spirit-filled life is the reason Jesus was 100% successful in resisting the devil. Um, a major key to overcoming sin is have no room for it. So let's go to one more scripture. I said Acts chapter 6. Is that the one we want to go to? Let's go to Acts 6. So, does anybody remember the title of this series? Changing. Understanding. 
It was God wants you filled. And I believe the reason we title it that way is because we need to realize this is something the Lord wants. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I need it, but the Lord wants it. Well, Pastor, I'm not called to ministry, so I'm not sure I, I have the God wants. God wants every believer to be filled with the Spirit. Every believer. We, we rehearsed Brother Hagin's vision of the Lord that he had and how the Lord shared with him. Jesus said, my plan under the new covenant is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he could have told the prophet anything, you know, for the day we're living in. My plan is this. My, he said, my plan. I'll tell you, my, my plan for the church is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you might be able to interpret that, you know, some, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, it means you have been hanging around God and the things of God long enough to where that's the most important thing on your heart and it's what you want to talk about the most. Now, there may be times, you know, that we have to be more filled than others because of something that's around the corner or a ministry opportunity or whatever. And so you say, Pastor, are you saying 24-7 we need to be in this certain state? I'm not necessarily saying that, but I am saying this. There needs to be constant refillings throughout our life, especially when the Spirit of God prompts you to be because He knows the challenge is coming your way right around the corner. He knows the ministry you're going to have to be doing right around the corner. How many think it would be awesome to be filled with the Spirit when that person comes up to you who's about ready to commit suicide? How many know it would be awesome at that point to already be filled with the Spirit. And if you're li listening to God, He would have told us hours before to be ready for that. I know a lot of times when it comes to casting out demons, the Spirit of God will lead us at times to do some extra seeking, some extra praying, some extra time in the Word, so that when that opportunity comes our way, we're not going to get ready, but we will be ready. How many know getting ready means you're not ready? Right? And a lot of times people try to get ready when the problem's in front of them, when they should have been getting ready, when the Spirit of God told them to get ready, so they'd be ready when the problem comes. So in Acts chapter 6, in verse 1 through 3, let's read these few verses here, maybe a couple others, and we'll close. Acts 6, 1 through 3. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we'll give ourselves continued to prayer into the ministry of the word. Notice, he's saying here that a qualification, not for preaching, you would think these are preacher qualifications. No. He's talking about people helping in the daily administration of the widows that were being neglected, food and clothing and whatever was being distributed. He was saying these qualifications are for these church workers, not for preachers and apostles. What are they? Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So, being saved was not enough to work in the church, the early church. 
See, we, we, people have not viewed the church properly in the time we're living. Some people are getting it, but there's still a lot of people. They're not viewing properly the holiness and the reverence and the power of the church. I know you can go overboard and say, you know, if you don't go to my church, you're not going to heaven. That's stupid. But then you can go to the other extreme and say, well, I don't need no church. I have Jesus and I, me and my family have church every day at home. Well, that's out of balance too. Right? Unless there's a pastor there called of God, you're not getting everything the Lord wants you to get. I'm not saying you can't have wonderful times with your kids and family at home. We did all the time. It's one of the reasons I believe our kids and grandkids love going to church is because we raised them up and said we're having devotions whether we feel like it or not. We're going to pray in tongues whether we feel like it or not. We could, our kids prayed in tongues when they were little kids. But qualifications to work in a New Testament church are not just Hey, I'm saved. Let me work, Pastor. Now, some, some areas maybe, you know, it's, it's not going to be as high of a qualification. But this was basically waiting on tables. And Peter said, if these people are going to work in the church, they can't just be saved. They can't just be honest. They can't just have wisdom. They have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if, he told, if I told you today, hey, guys, go look out among you. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, what would you be looking for when it comes to the, they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? It's got to be vi visible, right? It's got to be evident. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit is recognizable. Yeah. Or what were they going to be looking for? Yeah. It's rec what, what do you mean recognizable? I know in my heart, at times, the Lord's quickened me to put people in positions and to not allow people at that moment in positions. And it had nothing to do with their qualifications in the natural. They had every one of them. But I just knew in my heart there was still something not quite right about putting a person in the position. And I believe it was the Spirit of God saying, listen, they need to be filled with the Spirit as well, as good at what they do. In some positions. There are some positions, I'm not saying you have, have to have all these same requirements. But I look at this one, what was this? This was not behind the pulpit. This was not singing on the praise scene. This was not, you know, in children's church. This was people distributing food and clothing to people who were being neglected. Yeah. And even in that position, they, the head of the, uh, Peter said, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know why pastor never asked me to do something. Well, maybe it's not that he doesn't want it. Maybe it's he just doesn't have a leading to do it. And I know personal experience that there are some things you don't want to do in the church unless you are filled with the Spirit because it's going to take a filling of the Spirit to even overcome some of the opposition sometimes that come against those areas. I mean, the devil doesn't want you serving in the church, but you fill with the Spirit, it's no problem. So, how you doing, church? Let's stand up.